0: is it really that important to eat organic what is conscious parenting does homeopathy actually work oh god the flu how do i beat it naturally how do i prepare for birth what are the benefits
1: of meditation this
0: is healthy happy home the podcast community that offers discussions and solutions for a fully conscious and integrative approach to living and parenting we will explore and open up the topics of natural health and well-being holistic parenting consciousness and work-life balance
1: to empower you to live your healthiest, happiest life. We're so grateful that you're joining us on this journey. We'd love it if you could take the time to rate, review, and subscribe. It will help other people to find us so that we can grow our Elevation Nation. This season of Healthy Happy Home is sponsored by Mega Home Water Distillers, the most reliable and efficient home drinking water distiller
0: mega home are kindly offering listeners of the healthy happy home podcast a five percent discount just use the code hhh5 at checkout thank you to mega home
1: looking for a wellness break in the uk Well, you're in the right place At Retreat Life, we take small groups on exclusive escapes to focus on well-being, fitness, and health. Relax, reconnect, and re-energize on one of our empowering retreats, all located in unique locations within the natural beauty of the British countryside. For more info, go to www.retreatlife.co.uk. Welcome to Healthy Happy Home and thank you so much for listening. So as we record this, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis and right now we're at the end of our third week of lockdown. And um, because of that, we have chosen topics which we feel people might need guidance on, particularly right now, with guests who are all experts in their field. But uh, the topics that we've chosen will also be relevant. For, the, for once this is over, so in case you're listening to this since life has resumed. Um, of course, it means we're recording remotely, so sorry if there's an odd technical problem and the sound's not quite perfect. Um, we're doing our best. Um, so with that, today's guest is uh, Dr.
0: Gauri Mota. Dr. Mota is a London-based childbirth pioneer who has prepared mothers and fathers to have gentle births. As part of her quest to help mothers look forward to giving birth, she introduced water births to the NHS in the 1980s and was the first doctor to conduct a documented water birth within a London NHS hospital. Gowrie and her close-knit team of complementary practitioners are dedicated to guiding mothers throughout their pregnancy by offering a programme of classes, key treatments and dietary guidelines during pregnancy all the way to birth. Dr. Motha's acclaimed book, The Gentle Birth Method, was published in 2004 and was written so that all mothers all over the world could experience the benefits of gentle birth. The Gentle Birth Method book has an enthusiastic following here in the UK and in several countries worldwide. Dr. Motha's follow-up book, The Gentle First Year, was published in 2006. So we're so grateful to you for joining us today and like we said in the bio we want this episode to be relevant for what we're going to call peacetime too but right now women are really struggling and at the best of times informed choice and support for birthing mothers is something we have to campaign and fight for but right now women are losing all of that so can you just tell us what's actually going on out there for birthing mothers right now
2: well Pretty much the same really, except that all the carers will be wearing protective gear, masks and if possible, shields and gloves and fully gowned up for every mother. And uh, the only sad thing is that the mother is only allowed one attendant mm. at the birth. And sometimes some mothers like to like to take another birth attendant with them yeah. for extra birth support. Be a mother or a sister or another birth supporter. So that is denied them at the moment. And in this case, the father or whoever she chooses to take one attendant is called upon to be the main source of emotional support and physical comfort. Because sometimes the midwives are also extremely busy and they may have to be doing other tasks to cope with the workload at this particular time. Because apparently some of the health authorities have withdrawn the home birthing support. Mm -hmm. So home births have not been actually been available to a lot of mothers in North London. So they're all coming to the hospital. So there needs to be a lot more, you know, um, midwives in the hospital itself to take care of the workload. So, I mean, i really like to say that the important toolkit that the mother needs to have when she goes into the birthing room, especially now, would be her mind, mm. her self-hypnosis and her mind. And that's a major part of my work, is to teach mothers how to relax during pregnancy and to kind of project their mind forward into the 40th week of their pregnancy when they're actually going to give birth. And I have several birth rehearsals which on my website and also I have a, a bank of visualizations actually with all sorts of different visualizations about how the father can support, how the mother can bond with the baby, how the mother can actually ask and request the baby to do certain things like get into the correct position, initiate your birthing process on time. Knowledge, all of this awareness is coming because there's a significant... Body of research being done by lots of psychologists, especially in America, and they have actually identified that during the birthing process, even the father's oxytocin levels match the mother's oxytocin levels. Mm -hmm. And this is an incredibly wonderful piece of research. So, in in lots of ways, it would be just perfect for the partner or the father of the baby to actually accompany the mother because partner is actually surging with the oxytocin in the same way that the mother is surging. So in a very beautiful way, the partner can identify and relate to what the mother is going through. Mm -hmm. So that's a wonderful thing, all the way through pregnancy and especially in the early labor and throughout active labor. So it makes sense that the father is an active participant also of the birthing process. And this has not really been published, but I firmly believe that the baby, also releases the surges of oxytocin, just like the mother does. So that is amazing because I, in my visualization scripts, I've often written that the baby releases something what I refer to as a pre-oxytocin. It goes into the mother's blood circulation, goes into her whole you know, hormonal axis and into her hypothalamus and pituitary gland and informs the important organs within the brain, hypothalamus, pituitary gland and so on, to begin to pulse and release oxytocin, maternal oxytocin to make the uterus work in a beautiful, wonderful coordinate fashion. Coordinate means as the top of the uterus surges down, the cervix is programmed internally to dilate at the same time. So the top of the uterus goes down and the cervix It's programmed to go outwards and upwards, therefore making the cervix rapidly dilate. These concepts are introduced to the partners. And because we believe that the baby in the womb is a sentient, very important uh, part of the birthing process is not a passive passenger, but an active participant. Mm -hmm. So all the way through the pregnancy, because we know that the babies have got a free birth learning, learning capacity in the womb. So we are teaching the babies while they're in the womb. This is what the physiology will be doing and therefore we inform the baby that you are an active participant. So we prepare the mother in this way all the way through the pregnancy with the scripts and all the couples who enroll onto my classes. They're all sent to my mp3s and I've got a couple of mp3s which I'm very fond of because people who, I mean, mothers who listen to it, have got good results because it really puts them into a trance. And in the trance state, we educate the inner mind. And when we educate the inner mind, there's a neural pathway which is formed from the brain to the physical structures of the body. First of all, to the hypothalamus, pituitary gland, then to the uterus, the pacemakers of the uterus, uterine muscle and the cervix, and of course the baby. And we keep giving wonderful suggestions to the mother all the way through that the baby is preparing the birthing spaces all the way through. And so we give little messages to the baby saying, thank you. Can you release more and more relaxing as you go along? So this happens and happens and happens. So on the day of the birth, the mother and the baby are really communicating about the process of birth, how the surges are going to start, how the baby will make his or her way down, how the little cranium will flex in the correct way in the optimal fetal position and keep going down. And then we visualize and inform the pelvic muscles through the mother's own imagination, you know, to let the pelvic muscles become softer and softer all the way through to the birth. So this is a fabulous experience to be prepared already for the birth. And on the day of the birth, we also teach the mother how to distract herself and concentrate on the breath and think about herself in her safe place, but mostly breathe deeply and continuously all the way through the birthing experience, every surge. And this really helps her tremendously to um, be able to cope. Because everybody talks about the word cope, but they don't know what it means. It means that you have to cope with the physical sensations of birthing and the emotional sensations of birthing. And to know that she's got an amazing chemical factory in her brain, she's got an amazing armamentarium, which will make her feel the surges soft and get softer all the way through. One of the suggestions are that every surge will be twice as comfortable as the previous one. So that is really lovely. And the partners come to the classes and they're given these concepts as well. Mm. And one of the most important things I tell the partners is that their voice is the most powerful instrument there in the room. So every positive words, word or words or phrases that the partner uses is so powerful and it just activates the mother's mind and often release hormonal releases all completely, instantly. And I've been at so many births where fathers just keep whispering to the mothers all the lovely things they want to hear. And this is also a training program. In our classes, we teach the fathers how to use positive language. Everything always positive and encouraging and opening. and It's a training, actually. And the same sort of language should be, hopefully, used by the other carers as well like midwives and so on. So slowly, slowly we're encouraging a universal consciousness about this use of language as a very powerful tool to calm the mother down. So let's have a scenario that in this present day when you have hospitals that are crowded and the mother goes in, in labor, she may or may not have her partner, could be somebody else, but all she has to remember is that she's got the tools within herself. And if there's another physical person beside her, that's great because they can fetch her a sip of water or give her a little back rub or just massage her feet or just stroke her face just to keep her calm. Even if the person is not exactly skilled, the mother needs to know that she's already prepared. She's skilled within herself. And that is my preparation Program And I think the preparation has to start quite early on in pregnancy and builds up in layers, confidence layers, all the way through. And by the time she's 38, 39, 40 weeks, she should be so sure that her body is ready for birthing. And that's the main part of my work, really. It's
1: amazing. It's amazing. And when you talk about the surges of, is that of the oxytocin or is that of the contractions?
0: both <laughs> okay yeah. are you using that as another word for contractions
2: pardon are you
0: using that as another word for contractions
2: yes in hypnobirthing language it's uh, replaced with the word contractions are replaced by the word surges that's what i used in my labors surges. actually that's
1: nice so that's the oxytocin surge it's nicer than contraction contraction is not a great word actually is it
2: well you know whatever it is you know but, you know, we tell mothers to reframe whatever words are spoken to them. Mm. For instance, if the midwife comes and says, how are your contractions? We tell the mothers to automatically reframe in their minds, soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <never. laughs> so never. I mean, the thing is, between you and me and all pregnant mothers who are listening, there can be moments when the mother feels that, oh, I can't do this anymore. And then she has to get to her second wind, you know, Maybe she can go and have a shower, maybe she can get in the birthing pool at that point, because I don't like to say it, but birthing is a very demanding physical activity, as you would have known, because you're both given birth, right do you Do you recommend to, for people to eat then while they're going through the the labor? Eat before the labor starts or in pre-labor? Yeah but not during the day. They can have little things like they can have a soup or they can have chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Nats. Nats to keep they the energy. Little sips of chamomile tea with some honey in it or something just to get energy. Mm-hmm. But between you and me, during every surge, the body releases adrenaline along with endorphins. And adrenaline doesn't permit the stomach to digest food. So it's better not to eat, but I have had mothers who got during the labour wanted a three-course meal, and they ate it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did it really well. But <laughs> I'm talking about mostly first-time mothers. Who, that that's the kind of population who comes to see me. They're quite sensitive and they're quite uh, you know unaware of what their bodies will feel like during birthing. So I say have the light foods, you know? Yeah. But in early labor, if the surges are just coming every 10 minutes or every 15 minutes, have something. You can have eggs and whatever, and, or you can have porridge. I quite like to advise porridge because it's a sticky thing and it stays in the stomach and has got a satiety value for a while, you know? Mm. So at the moment,
0: you you mentioned home births. I, I have a few friends and a couple of clients who were meant to have home births and now can't. What would you be advising these women and how would you put their minds at ease if they were coming to you? Because it's a really when you kind of create this birth plan and you're near to the end and you had prepared your home and you've got all these things and this idea in your head. And then, you you know, the whole reason women choose a home birth is because... Yeah. It just seems like you're going to be in your own environment and it's going to be calmer and now all of a sudden you're yeah. thrust into a hospital
2: yeah i mean i don't want to um sort of say anything but even if you're going to have a hospital birth all the midwives say stay at home for as long as you can yeah so that means you can stay at home till you're almost fully dilated so you're birthing most of the time at home
0: then you've got that stress of you know getting to the hospital and when do i go and
2: I know. Well, normally we give a rough guidelines to go into hospital when you're surging every three to four minutes. Mm.
1: Yeah, I guess Absolutely. some people end up going, ha- trying to having a home birth and then going into hospital anyway. That's, that does happen sometimes. So and I the other way around,
2: a lot of people plan to have a hospital birth and give birth at all. <laughs> yeah, on the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's happened quite a few times. Really, yeah.
1: So, Amazing. You know,
0: so in terms of reframing, reframing the mind, like you were saying, if women are listening to what who we are planning, you know, specific births that they can't have them, what would you say to right. them now?
2: So what I can say is that wherever you are, with your eyes closed, you're at home. Mm. Even if you're in a busy, you know, in a taxi or in a birthing unit, the eyes closed, you're at home. Yeah. So you just have to begin to start practicing from now. that at home feeling wherever you are like maybe you're out for a little walk or something if it's permitted just imagine you're still in your bedroom when you're walking out or maybe you've gone to a park sit down on a park bench and just visualize that you're sitting in your bedroom Mm -hmm. so that way it's a little practice that you set up so that if the eventuality comes that you have to go to the local hospital or birthing unit for a birth as soon as you enter those doors it's almost like you close your eyes and imagine you're entering your own bedroom. Hmm. That way the hormones surge normally and they keep going normally. And it's like you have to ignore all the fancy gear that the midwives are wearing and just imagine they're all in fancy dress or something <laughs> at a fancy dress party. <laughs> just, just tune into your inner core of confidence and inner truth. Yeah. So so you, know, you are able to give birth normally. And the preparation for birth would be a lot of visualization and not for me, of course, I'm passionate about not eating gluten (laughs) and no sugar if possible,
0: you know. So it's all about really projecting yourself into another place and doing the preparation beforehand so that you're not a week before the birth worrying. You've already done that preparation. So whatever happens, because anyway, and like Tilly said, at the best of times, sometimes you might end up you know, births don't always go to plan. Yeah, of course.
2: So even I have had mothers who prepared for a normal natural birth, but they had to have a cesarean because the baby suddenly went back to back. Mm. The cervix, cervix was not dilating. And it was, you know, mother was getting tired. The baby was getting tired. So they needed to have a cesarean. But because they had practiced their self-hypnosis and their visualization, they felt that even during the cesarean, they were to keep, able to keep calm. And they were imagining as if the baby was being born through the normal route, mm. through the vaginal route. And after the cesarean, they felt like, I had given birth in the normal way. They felt like that,
0: yeah. so that was good.
2: So, you know, it got deeply imprinted in their mind. And then they decided that this is the way that they're giving birth. And that is how it all worked out for them and that's why
0: this process is important even if you're going to have a cesarean or it, you know if you end up having a cesarean yes. it wasn't it wasn't lost on you the process it's still important
2: no no i mean a lot of mothers actually say i'm glad i came to the classes because even though i had a cesarean in some strange way i'm feeling that i had a normal birth yeah it's amazing
1: amount of knowledge you're giving people as well because i think when i when i was pregnant it was long sorry, long ago I didn't really understand the physiology of what was going to happen or what, you know, even, even while I was going through the birth, I didn't really know what the steps particularly were going to be. I just kind of found myself in it. And, and um, it's amazing to think that if you prepare so well, how much Mm. you learn and how much, Mm. how much benefit there is from the visualization, understanding how the body's actually working. That's an
2: amazingly important thing to do. Yeah. One of somebody was asking me, how are you, your classes and your visualization and what you teach, how is it different from other methods? And I say it's because I embed a lot of education into the visualization. So if somebody says, I said, just close your eyes, take three deep breaths. Let's imagine you're going down into a beautiful beach and walking along and then you find a place and you lie down. And that is only the little bit of the safe place visualization. Then I immediately launch into something physiological, like let's visualize your pituitary gland, you know? Let's visualize your hypothalamus. So within self-hypnosis, within the trance state, I'm giving them medical information. So the mind takes it on board, then the mother begins to feel deeply confident and a deep cellular understanding of the birth process. So we talk about the brain, we talk about the hypothalamus and pituitary gland, we talk about how the heart contributes, how the pancreas contributes to better digestion and you know, to be not getting into sort of blood sugar problems. And then we talk about the actual visualization of the most important organ, the uterus and the cervix and how all the muscles work together and how they develop and how they work and how afterwards they go back to their pre-pregnant shape, size and form. And then we have a big module on the baby, the baby's consciousness, baby's feelings within the womb and so on. So it's quite um, a little educational program embedded within my visualization classes.
0: I love that you talk about the baby's consciousness and the baby's feelings because, I I mean, I'm such a believer in that, firstly. And just that was why I was so passionate about having calm births and knowing, you know, through, you know, the teachers that I had at the time and your book and all this stuff that you know, what we do now can greatly impact the baby's immune system Absolutely. and their emotional stability later on in life. Especially for now, I think the mother staying calm, regardless of what's going to happen or these, you know, changes. I um, so I think that's really important. Important point to note now is that however stressful it is and however difficult because I can only imagine my sister's actually at the moment pregnant with twins right. um, and she lives in Israel so she's not even with us so it's a very difficult time she's not due until July but so we're hoping things improve but yeah. either way you know I know how anxious pregnant women are right now so I think that piece of information is key to understanding that no matter what's going on we have to stay calm we have to keep doing the work doing the visualization doing the Hypnosis and you know yoga and meditation, whatever it yeah. is, it's calm because doesn't the baby's not going to know whether you're at home or whether you're in hospital? The baby's going to know how calm you were.
2: Yeah, and what the mother feels all the way through the pregnancy also. Yeah, you know, it builds on the baby's mind-body set. You know, in Ayurveda, there's a whole section on the science of pregnancy and birthing, and it's a very well-known fact that the mothers are shielded from any frightening information. You know? Mm. Like, you know, they don't tell the pregnant mother that somebody has passed away or something. Mm. They just keep them safe and sound, you know, from, <laughs> they cocoon them as it were from shocking news. Yes, it's yeah, difficult to it, do that at it, the moment.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say that um, you were talking about people losing um, family members when they're pregnant. And actually my, sadly, my mother-in-law died when um, Lola was, she was about seven months, six months. Seven no, maybe seven months even. And um
0: You were pregnant with her seven months.
1: Oh yeah, so I was seven months into the pregnancy. No. Sorry, she wasn't seven months old, yeah. No. I was seven months into the pregnancy when my mother-in-law died, and it was very unexpected and it was so it was so tragic. But um the one I didn't we didn't know the sex, whether it was, she was gonna be a boy or a girl. And I just remember after the cesare- when I was having caesarean and it was all a bit hectic, like when they said it's a girl, I was just like oh my god that's like the best news you know you lose one 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 female in the family and then another one has come in at the same time it was kind of um it was kind of quite special in a way
2: yeah amazing yeah yeah so
0: what would you say at the moment for women who because i know another issue and probably it comes back to what you've said is that it's the mind but i know a big issue for women right now is they plan on having their partner and a doula And it's very difficult to then, you know, your doula has been the one with you through birth and uh, through the pregnancy and has prepared you, you know, someone like you offering the information and the practical physical stuff, the massages, the, you know, all the
2: kind of hypnosis talk, it's a difficult thing to have to be able to process. Well, we can do this way. I mean, like what I said, the birth support comes to your house Mm. and uh, assists you all the way till you're surging every three minutes. Mm. And then the partner takes you into the hospital for the last bit, yeah. So that's fine. Yeah, that's a
1: good idea. So you can have the doula at home. Cool. And then either take the doula or take your husband. no, take your husband. Yeah. The
0: problem is though, some because a friend of mine and and you know Danny, who we spoke to, um, yeah. we had on season one. She's a doula, and she wasn't able to go to the birth of one of my clients because she has symptoms herself so um that's but yeah, hopefully yeah. on the whole and even if people do it over zoom or well, you know there are options
1: i suppose so, if you've prepared a lot as well because the pregnancy is it's quite a long time really so you if you if you have done this preparation that you guys are you know highlighting the importance of it then hopefully people are so what, what if someone's pregnant and it has only a few months to go and hasn't thought of doing any of this I mean, to be honest,
2: I've had women who come to me with only two weeks to go. Really? Because they suddenly found out about me from a friend or something. Yeah. Okay, okay, we're going to do a rapid fix. (laughs) So you got to, from this woman, not eat any gluten, no sugar, go really quite strict, eat three times a day, eat about about 2,000 calories a day, but nothing sticky, even oats I don't like. So then I said, now we're going to do the oiling for the vagina, the stretching of the vagina. And we do it very energetically for two weeks. And they have great births. Really? And I asked them to listen to my tapes or whatever, twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. And because I get a lot of um, enthusiasm because I've only got two weeks to go, they really want to put their full energy into it. So perfect, you know, it's like a little you know, intensive course. <laughs> yeah. what, are you, what are your reasons for, because we are,
0: we are big advocates of that, but what are your reasons for advising against no gluten and sugar?
2: Well, because gluten has got, I mean, wheat and lots of other things like rye and oats and barley, they do have a high content of gluten. And gluten is made up of two molecules, gluten and glutenin that glutenin is a bad guy, as it were. And there are so many articles, so many nutritionists have researched it. And there are several TED Talks on it online if you want to watch and listen. It interferes with every enzyme system in your body. So I'm advocating gluten-free diet not only for pregnant mothers, for people who want to get pregnant, postnatal mothers, for people like myself who are in the old age group who want to have more physical mobility and more freedom in the joints and muscles. And we all know that anybody with any colitis, celiac disease and all of that, they automatically are asked to give up gluten. Mm. If anybody is diagnosed with any sort of colon problems, even cancers, they immediately asked to give up gluten. And recently the cardiologists are telling people who've had cardiac procedures to give up gluten, because gluten can damage the intima of the tiny coronary arteries, and uh, for heart transplant patients as well. They're asked to give up gluten. So Somebody's got this knowledge, but they're not sharing it with the whole world. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it's a food board, you know, the big chaps up there, food conglomerates, they don't want to lose their income from wheat. Same as the sugar, really, isn't it? The sugary Oh yeah, the sugar is pretty bad too, I mean, along with gluten. Um, I think there was a book written called The Sweet Deception, which is very interesting. And in the old days, sugar was a toxin. And sometimes even now, if I take too much of sugar, I do feel dizzy and funny, you know. So that means it's not really doing me much good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about the odd bit of sugar? Like at the end of your pregnancy, sometimes you just want a chocolate or, you know. Well,
2: as I say, you know, I'm I'm allowing mothers... We have two teaspoons or whatever they like, but good sugars, you know, things like maple syrup or Mm. honey or something, which uh, it's like a little boost, isn't it? Like if you got used to eating sugar all your life. And sometimes my mother's very early on in my classes, they used to fight with me, you know, that why can't I eat gluten? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? I said, look, one meal in the week, like on a Saturday or a Sunday, you eat whatever you like. Mm. You can have all the gluten, all the sugar, whatever you want. Cheap day. You feel, you feel that, ah, I've had my bit. So then that gives you enough courage to carry on for the next week. Yeah. Now, I had a woman with twins as well who told me I can't do without my chocolate bar every day. Then I said, save it up and have it all on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the chocolate. In the end, you know, she couldn't even have that bar on the Sunday. No. So she was telling me afterwards, oh, you know, you're right. I can barely have half a bar on the Sunday. So it was just a mental thing. Yeah. It's got over, you know, and she had a beautiful birth with twins, yeah. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, more and more mothers are seeking to have normal vaginal births, even with twins. Mm. So we give them the tools to be able to do that, you know. And I think the whole, the whole medical profession also is being informed to try and advocate normal vaginal births as much as possible, you know. So everyone's trying hard to achieve that goal, you know.
0: Is that what you're seeing from your end? You're seeing some more kind of, you know, improvements on- Yes, even
2: even the consultant obstetricians are, you know, promoting more vaginal births, which is fantastic.
1: I suppose it's a, it's a lower cost to the hospitals as well because it's a much simpler birth really, isn't it, to just uh, not to have to have the caesareans?
2: Well, yes and no, because if it's an intervention birth, you know, with an induction and all of that, you might as well have a caesarean, it's just as expensive to go through induction and da-da-da or whatever. And I mean, I don't particularly think it's a great idea to have want and forceps and all on a baby's head because as you both are very sensitive mothers, any intervention on the baby's head (laughs) as the baby has been born, deeply imprints the baby for life that, gosh, what a way to come into this world of ours. You know, it gives the baby a bit of a, you know, adverse um, impression of our world on the outside. So it's better to have a C-section than to have a forceps or a round twos, you know.
0: Really, and what about kind of in terms of the microbiome, because, you know, that all gets passed down if you have a vaginal birth, does that get impacted anyway if you're gonna have interventions?
2: After the baby's born, you put the baby skin to skin. Yeah. There's a lot of microbiome going on over there. Mm. Then the other thing is that there is a new kind of thinking. And the microbiome is already in the baby before birth, mm. so the baby is not being born sterile. The oh, baby already has all of this the microbiome, the microbiome, the whole lot. I mean, somebody said that we have 80% of our cells um, bacteria and viruses <laughs> in our body. Yeah, so I think the baby is not going to have it, the baby will have it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I had one. Um, normal birth and then one cesarean birth and both of the kids have been brought up in the same way and neither is less or more healthy than the other. Exactly, exactly. I haven't haven't noticed anything. I mean, yeah, so I haven't noticed any difference in immunity for either of them.
2: I mean, did you breastfeed them? Yeah, yeah. So I think that is a key, you know, the kind of physical contact, Mm -hmm. skin bacteria from the mother going through and all of that. Sometimes even mothers can't breastfeed because something was wrong with the breasts or whatever, you still put the baby there, and the baby still licks your skin, licks your neck, and all of that. So that's still skin to skin, you know. Yeah. And of course, as a toddler is growing up, mud, lots of mud, and if possible, a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got the immune system, incredibly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that way of thinking.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Although at the moment it's difficult, isn't it? Because I'm having to. I really have never wanted to instill this thing in my children of wash your hands all the time and be, be you know, germs and germs, and, germs. Right. and it's hard now because now everything they're seeing is wash your hands and there's germs everywhere and I don't really want to, I'm trying not to No, let but my if child... you
2: have a garden, they can go in the garden
0: They're in the garden all day at the moment And yeah. they
2: can kick around with the mud
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's what they do we, dog. We, We've made, we did have a dog, he passed away a couple of years ago and we, um we didn't feel like it was the right time yeah, yet to yeah. get a new one. We're waiting until my baby sleeps through the night and then we're going to get another one. Perfect. <laughs> but yeah, no, they're kicking where there's a, we, we made this little fairy garden and we've put it in where kind of the soil is under this bush. So they go in there, which is quite
2: cute. That's lovely. That's so innovative. Oh, well, no, I got the idea from someone else, but it's cute. <laughs> As a young mother, you know. You know, you can invent all sorts of things.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've got to keep them occupied at the moment. I, um, I,
1: um, I saw that you do. Um, I saw online that you do some massage techniques for oh, sort yeah. of. Is that part of a birth? Uh, part of the birthing program, or is that a separate thing that you do?
2: No, what I did was I was before I even did my first water birth. I was working with a, in a fertility unit and looking after lots of people who are having IVF and so on. I was part-time and uh, I was upset to see that a lot of people would pay a lot of money and they wouldn't get a pregnancy. So when I was uh, working in one of my, then I started doing water births and then I was presenting a paper on my first 50 water births and that was in India. I went for an international holistic health conference And then I presented the paper and then I met an American lady who uh, said I do creative healing. I said, what's that? She (laughs) said something very simple but very profound. I said, oh, can you help women get pregnant? She said, yes, we do have a treatment for that, a fertility massage, a female treatment. So then she taught it to me and then I was so impressed with that because I came back and offered it to one or two women and they got pregnant. So then I invited her and her husband to come over and stay with me in London from California. And then they taught me the whole range. There is a whole system of medicine, of natural healthcare called uh,
1: Creative Healing. I'll
2: pull out the book for you. This is a book. Oh,
0: okay. That looks great. Steven's Method of Natural Healthcare. Healthcare. Lovely.
2: Yeah, and uh, he was actually born in England, in Newcastle upon Tyne, in the turn of the previous century, and he died in 1950. He was born in 1876 or something like that. So he lived a long and wonderful life, but he was working in the mining trade for a long time, but he used to heal his friends and colleagues. And then eventually, when he ended up in hospital for his own broken femur, then he started talking to the doctors there who recognized that he had incredible talent. He had the ability to look into the human body and identify exactly where the blockage was. In fact, he helped the doctor himself because he had a cardiac problem. And one day the doctor had a cardiac arrest and he helped the doctor recover from it. So the doctor began to promote him as a healer. And that's how this whole body of work came about, you know. There's many, many more treatments, but this is a condensed version of like 46, 44 treatments that we can use. I mean, there are treatments for the ankle, for the knee, the elbows, the thyroid, the eyes, the heart. And the heart is one of my favorite treatments because during pregnancy, the heart enlarges, right? It grows, every organ in your body grows, the heart, the pancreas, the liver, everything grows. And uh, we need to keep toning the heart all the way through pregnancy so that it can cope with the amazing circulatory load which is required to push the blood and the nutrients and the water to the baby's placental bed. So this is like for everyone. But then what I did was because I was interested in the natural birthing program, I took some of these key treatments and I've introduced it into the a birth preparation package. And I teach the fathers how to do these treatments on the moms. And on my website, we have little YouTube videos that I have put up there. So the fathers can watch these videos and they can do the treatments on their moms. I've got like clients who read my book in Australia, America, wherever. I say, please get your partner or a local massage practitioner to watch these videos. It's not rocket science. It's very, very simple. Just follow it. It improves the lymphatic circulation in the body. And it's a prana. You know, the prana, the mm. vital energy force, it stimulates a vital energy force so that every organ system in your body can function more efficiently.
1: Yeah.
2: And the good news is that ever since I started introducing the creative healing, very light, gentle massage techniques into the program, all the ladies who do come to the center where I have a few clients, keep wanting to come back because it feels so good. Yeah. (laughs) There's a proof of the pudding that they really wanted. They begin to feel good and even years later some mothers ring me up and say can I come for some creative healing please? I really miss it. I want my heart done. I want my digestive tract tuned up and all of that.
1: Yeah I, I saw one where you were doing massaging the pancreas and I just thought but it makes so much sense to you know to get all that energy working and find you it's very simple across the
2: stomach. And I did very think simple. I need to I was, be doing that. You can ask your partner to do it for you, yeah. And also, postnatally, it's amazing to do all those treatments because if you're doing a tummy wrap, for instance, if you do the pancreatic treatment, the abdominal toning, and a heart treatment, you know, you feel you can tolerate the tummy wrap because very often mothers can't tolerate the tummy wrap because gas accumulates in the gut. So they can't tolerate the wrapping. But if you help the pancreas to be more efficient, then you digest your carbs and your proteins and your fats properly. But then there's no gas in the gut and you can seamlessly do the tummy wrap. Some people call it bone binding and all the fancy terms, but it's just a tummy wrap. <laughs> Bringing the rib cage back bringing the hips back.
0: So is a lot of your stuff, it it seems to be rooted in Ayurveda. Is that a conscious decision?
2: No, no, no. What I did was I used to go to, I mean, I have been going to India for Ayurveda for myself just to keep fit and all of that. So whenever I go, I ask the doctors there lots of questions and how they, how Ayurveda looks after pregnant mothers and what tonics they take. And of course, I can't bring the whole lot here. So I just choose one Ayurvedic herb, some Ayurvedic oils, because the vaginal oils are very key, in making sure the vagina develops that soft elasticity. Mm. It develops it normally anyway, but we're just enhancing it with the vaginal oils, the vaginal stretch techniques. And the rectal oils, because the rectum itself is a very sensitive tube. And as the baby is being born, it pushes into the rectum and can cause a lot of discomfort if we don't already pre-sedate it with the rectal oils. And that's part of Ayurveda. So whatever it takes to make a mother more comfortable, I want it in the program. For instance, I even tell mothers to use the Epino, you know, the balloon you put in the vagina and pump up. Mm -hmm. Whatever feels like a good idea, I want the mothers to do it so that they don't have to struggle. And what, which what kind of oils are you using um, for the vaginal and the... Vagina? I mean, to be honest, you can use olive oil if you want. But I basically followed the research of one of the female gynecologists in Trivandrum in Kerala. And she used this uh, formula called Danvandrum. So I have it specially made for me in a special pharmacy so that I know that it's pure and good and extra good and everything. So we bring those little bottles and... I tell my mothers to use the oil in the vagina with little cotton things that they make themselves, not tampons, little cotton tampon, like things that they make like little wontons. And those videos are also on my website, how to make it. So the other day I was talking to some Indian doctors, some Nepalese doctors actually. And I told them, you have the oil in India, just get it, use it. (laughs) You know, yeah because you can prevent so much of
1: vaginal trauma, yeah and I suppose tearing actually, because tearing is a horrible thing to happen, so, so this is
2: why we need to pre stretch, mm-hmm. and then we tell mothers that you do not push the nice guidelines also informs mothers that the informs the medical staff, doctors and midwives that you don't tell the mother to push, you just encourage her to keep breathing and doing what comes. What comes naturally, you know. I I learned that from my first birth. I had,
0: I was yeah. really fortunate to have an amazing midwife, who yeah. happened to be a hypnobirthing instructor. But she yeah. was a midwife on the NHS. And when we got to the, the birthing center, she was the one that was there.
1: Perfectly.
0: Um, but she was telling I I, I had a back to back labor labor with Braxton my first. Yeah. Um, so it was a twenty four hour active labor.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and so it was, that was what I felt afterwards. Cause I, I never felt it was traumatic. I never felt, you know, it was long. It was hard to go, but no, she kept at the end. I was, the pushing process was very long and that was what I felt made the process not as amazing as I had hoped it could be because I was being told to push. So <coughs> when I was pregnant with my daughter, I made the decision that I was going to have a home birth and that I was only going to push when my body felt like it was pushing itself you know, but going back to the oils, we've actually got, um, the natural birthing company have provided a giveaway for this episode and they, um, I used their oils and all their tinctures and everything in pregnancy and they're amazing. So we've got an amazing giveaway of these oils. So hopefully we'll be able to offer them to some women. Um, the, the, um, yeah, all those lovely oils. So, um, and I want wonder... to said, even normal olive oil
2: works because yeah. Very ancient, and it's got thousands of healing ingredients. Yeah, there's one thing I really wanted to uh, emphasize. There's this big common term everybody uses called perineal massage that is working on the outside of the vagina. Mm. I feel that that is not that effective as actual vaginal stretch. Right. You know, the vaginal muscles have to stretch, Mm -hmm. just massaging on the outside in the perineum. It's neither here nor there, you know? It mm-hmm. has to be rephrased. It's a vaginal stretch. Right, that's good to know. So you're preparing those muscles
1: to stretch and out stretch and then go
2: and back. Stretch and relax and stretch and okay. relax. So mm-hmm. helping them to release their fine little adhesion they may have developed. Because a lot of our mothers, they're sportswomen. Even if they're not sportswomen, they go to the gym and all of that. So there's inflammation in the pelvic muscles. So the oils release that inflammation. The stretching breaks down the fine adhesions so that during the birthing process, there's no big challenge on the vaginal muscles or the skin or the perineum. Mm. You know. This is why you know 16-year-olds give birth very easily because Mm. the tissues haven't had time to get all glued up and have adhesions in them, you know. Right, yeah. That's interesting, actually. Yeah. So we tell I tell my moms. In one of my visualizations, imagine that you're 16 (laughs) and just call that cellular memory that you have in your tissues. Bring it back into your body. Your body remembers what it was like when you were 16. So let's make your body act and behave as if you are 16. And that's a very powerful visualization. You could be a 16 year old trapeze artist who will find it very difficult to keep yeah, (laughs) or a ballerina or a gymnast, but generally 16 year olds, they don't work so hard at their bodies, you know? Yeah,
1: it's incredibly holistic um, what, you, what you do. It's amazing. I mean, there, there can't be many people like you or there oh, shouldn't no, be more no, There poor, are.
2: There, are. there are plenty of people like me.
1: <laughs> it's yes.
0: becoming more well known now, isn't it? But you were one of the pioneers in this country. Yeah,
2: I myself have trained more than a hundred practitioners have you? Wow. They're all over the country, all over the world. They're doing these things, you know.
1: Are you usually very busy? Is it, are you now at home because of the um because of the crisis? Yes, is that yes, how yes. We, is
2: that how we've got you? <laughs> no, no, I'm not that busy because I'm, you know, I work with a very small client base. Yeah, okay. And uh, that's how it is, you know. Yeah, so are you not teaching
1: at any, at the moment? You're not, you're not teaching. You've done a lot of teaching.
2: Yes, we, I do teach. We'll be, yeah. we'll be running some courses in June. That was scheduled to run some courses in June. I don't know whether we will be able to now. Let's hope. Yeah. And also to run an online course because there are people in Nepal who want to learn and
1: people yeah. in other
2: countries who want to learn. I mean, so, doctors and professionals and in India. So teach everything online because it's a very good way of transmitting information. Yeah. I saw that you have your
1: things online now. Is that a recent thing or did you always have those? The
2: Zoom thing. It's very recent because of the COVID-19. We're doing the Zoom classes on Tuesday evenings from 5.30. They do an hour of yoga and half an hour visualization. So I get to talk to all the mothers and stuff like that. And on Thursday evenings, we offer that to the Whittington Hospital mothers mm-hmm. who enroll on the Gentlebirth birth method program that we have been invited to run there.
0: And people can, can, if people are hearing this now and they'd like to do the Tuesday one, they can just, they, they have to be a client already or they can just sign no, up? No,
2: they can just sign up. Great. We run them in four-week modules and they're not expensive. It's £15 pounds for a class. Right. And I'm teaching as well on it for half an hour ingrid in teaching for an hour.
0: Okay, that's good to know. We'll, we'll put the details of that Thank in show you. notes. <laughs> I, mean, I think
2: that's the way to reach many more mothers. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I. I there was a question I wanted to ask in terms of, I don't like the words, you know, I don't like some of the language that some medical professionals use in birth, like failure to... Progress. progress or anything So I don't like I don't like failure or or success because they're not you know success you know it insinuates that the other that the opposite is yeah. failure but what is based on all your teachings with your clients what is your you know quote-unquote success rate is it are you seeing a statistically women having better births following what well, you
2: actually the funny thing is that I have a board in front of me on the other wall on the other wall and I got all the mothers who've given birth in the last four or five months and I've got like I think about about 40 mothers there and three of them have had cesareans. Wow. Which is not bad.
0: Yeah that's amazing. Yeah. So that's a great and what about interventions or you know were these women who mainly ended up having the births that they wanted?
2: Well yeah quite a lot of them home births because I work with two midwives who work with me now One of them is Debbie Linga, who was a gentle birth method practitioner. For the last 25 years, she's been with me, but she recently trained to be a midwife as well. Wow. So she's been attending some of these births. So it's been good.
0: That's awesome. So you have this this team as well, and it must feel like the chemistry between you and, and I'm sure... Yeah, because
2: Debbie was a gentle birth method practitioner before. And we like to call ourselves birth supporters. We don't like to call ourselves doulas because... We want to create a different identity for what we do
0: mm.
2: because ours is a mentoring program, a training program which goes over many years. Mm. And we don't have like a doula course for five days or something, which makes it a little bit more in depth, you know. And a lot of the people who I've trained have actually become my hypnobirthing practitioners. I mean, my self hypnosis, gentle birth, hypno education, whatever. Yeah. So They have studied with me and they've followed me at least for five or six years, once a week or twice a week. So they're a bit more <laughs> educated physiology and things like that. They're saying that
1: there's going to be, um, in nine months' time, a huge load of babies being born, aren't there? Yeah,
0: baby <laughs> boom. Gosh. Corona baby boom.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's. Um, it's an interesting time because to be isolated... With your family for a long time, mm. it's a challenge actually. Yeah,
0: quite a challenge. It's not. I mean, there are many many positive things, but it's also of
2: course, of course, lots a of larger families seem to be having more fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's good. I, my heart goes out to people are finding it difficult.
1: Yeah, they some just some have to are,
2: yeah. you know cook more or something to distract themselves. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Are you are you seeing a lot of uh, a, a different a, must be a very different atmosphere actually in the hospitals when you're going in? Do, is it? Well, is I'm it, not
2: going to going hospital at all. I'm not working. Are you there. not? No. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's lucky then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think most people, unless you're sick yourself or you're pregnant or you're going in to have a baby, you can't really go in anyway, can you?
2: Well, unless you're in active service. Yes, if you're important there. they've
1: made the car parking free now that's a bonus isn't it
2: (laughs) yeah that
0: that took about (laughs) took took long enough didn't it but I just wanted to quickly go back to your um your your water births because you kind of pioneered that in the UK yes yeah I'm just wondering if you've seen a lot of difference in birthing generally since water births were introduced and how birthing was viewed or how, how difficult that must have been for you in the 80s where things were still
2: very much medicalized. I was very fortunate because I introduced water births into a local hospital which is just about literally a mile away from where I live now because I worked in that hospital for 12 to 14 years, mostly full-time and then part-time and during that time everybody in the birthing, you know, the maternity knew me very well. So they trusted me that I wouldn't do anything crazy because I was a regular, you know, (laughs) proper obstetrician as it were, doing normal things like cesareans and stuff. So I bought a pool and I put it there just to see. And I absolutely had all the support in the world from all my colleagues and everybody. And I learned a lot from that experience because just putting a mother in a pool of water doesn't do it for you. Mm. You need to have a pre mindset you know that this is my body my body is going to give birth the water is not going to make me give birth it's my body which gives birth the water is there just to give me some buoyancy some comfort more mobility more more action in the water you know like move and all of that more freedom and I remember the first time I had a water birth it was so moving because nobody was touching her was all by herself in the water, because normally midwives, doctors all of us we touch the perineum, we support the baby's head and all of those things because we fear that the baby's head might suddenly pop out and cause a vaginal tear, but in the water, the water was doing all the supporting, and slowly, slowly, the baby's head came out, then the whole baby came out, and it was so beautiful that I actually had tears flowing down my face because. You know, it's something that I dreamed of. And then when I saw it happening in front of my own eyes. It was just like, so moving and magical. And this is what I would like mothers to experience.
1: So when you said you dreamt about it, had you seen it in other countries or did you, did you?
2: Oh, only on TV, because there was a TV documentary by Michel Audon that he um, was doing this in France. And then nothing else. I, There wasn't actually a proper video of it, but just people talking, (laughs) but I was imagining it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there were people who had done water births in different countries, but mostly in their backyards or wherever, you know? Yeah. But it was quite interesting and I loved
0: it. It sounds amazing. I mean, it's just incredible that you, you know, pioneered this and brought it to the UK. And I'm thankful because I had an amazing water birth. So (laughs) two amazing water
2: births. I mean, obviously, the thing is that the minute I did it, then uh, two or three other hospitals invited me to come and supervise some water births there. So I went and supervised and then everybody just took off on their own. They're just like, very easy from then on.
0: Well, that's interesting, because I would have thought that it would have been more of a battle for you to get it introduce because midwives that I know have been trying to introduce um, aromatherapy for childbirth into their local birth center and they're really up against a lot of battles about it.
2: Well, you know, aromatherapy is different mm. because you're using a substance. Yeah. But if you're just using olive oil, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> you just say creative healing is only olive oil, right? Yeah. Everything with creative healing, it's just pure olive oil. People do not object to olive oil. They object yeah. to the substance in it. And mm-hmm. there's a valid reason why as well, because even lavender, which we use at random all over the place, there's 2% of the population who have got hypersensitive to it. Mm. Yeah, so it's the way I do
0: it. Quite
2: a lot, you know, like, so I don't blame the medical profession for being a little bit, you know, wary when it comes to aromatherapy. Mm. But if a mother takes in a bottle of her own aromatherapy blend, and if she asks her partner to put it on her body, no problem. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, because then you already know that the oils work for you, rather than suddenly offering oils that someone doesn't know yeah, about. because you
2: go somewhere and they offer you something, we don't know what the heck the is in the formulation. Because um, we know that you have to have proper gas chromatography studies on our essential oils mm. to make sure whether they work at all for a start, whether they've got the correct constituents of all the ingredients that they're meant to have you
0: know Mm, yeah they've got to be good quality
2: gosh you have such you have such an amazing legacy with everything
1: that you've done it's incredible really
2: i'm certainly the tip of the iceberg i don't know anything
0: (laughs) (laughs) very very modest as well
1: (laughs) that's that's the wisdom isn't it when you know when you don't know everything that's the
2: well i i often have to crack my head against the wall when i'm with somebody and I'm waiting for that cervix to fully dilate, and there's a delay and a hold up, and then I have to do everything I know, like cranial and this and that, and then suddenly magic happens, you know.
1: Mm. But
2: I mean, on a regular basis, I have to hit my head against the wall, so I don't know everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very modern, I wish. And um, so, so, to end, I mean, we are in you know this, uh, I think, Corona I think. Pain. Yeah, I think you've given people a lot of um, encouragement, but what would be your message right now to any women kind of navigating pregnancy and the thought of childbirth in the midst of this crisis?
2: I mean, in a way, I'm very grateful that all the mothers don't have to go to work. Yeah. Because my biggest problem and fight was to try and get pregnant mothers to stop working mm-hmm. when they're about 32 weeks or 34 weeks. Because they need to move from the... Male oriented work field. Like some of them are in banks, they're lawyers, their whatever, you know, big, you know, investment bankers and all of that. Mm. So they they have to switch from that testosterone world mm. to a more oxytocin world, mm-hmm. to a more female world. And that is for me like a, something interesting that I want to observe. That they are switching and they're finally doing the thing I wanted them to do for yonks, but in a very strange sort of a way, under pressure, uh, in, in a fearful situation. Mm-hmm. So if they don't allow themselves to get frightened and they feel that this is a blessing, I've been given these few weeks before the birth to be able to rest, to really develop my feminine side of my hormonal profile, to allow the oxytocin to fro, flow, get the lovely partners to even stroke you down the arms to improve the oxytocin flows. Hugs and cuddles are really amazing. Therefore, they're priming their uterus to be able to respond as quickly as possible to oxytocin. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the isolation coronavirus. (laughs) But no, we don't want you anymore. You have to go away. But in the meantime, the next two or three weeks that mothers have, especially if you're coming up to your 39th and 40th week of gestation, I just want you to be immensely grateful that you have the time to rest at home mm. and use it with lots of cuddles with your partner, lots of warm foods, cooking together. You already have other children, cuddle up with them and take into your birthing room, your mind. And the central message written in the mind is I'm safe. Mm. I'm at home. I am at home. And I am safe. And then whatever else you visualize on top of it is just like icing on the cake. Like I'm soft and loose. My cervix is slippery. My baby is very knowledgeable. My baby will slip out of my body very quickly. All of that is icing on the cake. But inside in your heart, you're tuning in with the central core in your heart. I'm safe. And your heart sends out messages to every cell in your body in a nanosecond. She's safe, she's safe, she's safe. And everything in your body works safely. I love that. Perfect. <laughs> That's, That's a brilliant, brilliant
0: message. And <laughs> also yeah. kind of the the feminine, you know, balance, balancing, balancing the yin-yang. I just love that. Yes, yes. Very important. That's such a lovely note to end on. Thank you so thank much you. for imparting oh, your you. wisdom on us. And hopefully, well, I know that you will have given... A lot of women out there, some encouragement and the belief now that that it's okay and they are safe.
2: They are safe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so So much. With love. Thank you for sharing. Love love to everybody. Thank
1: you, Gary, so much. much. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.
0: We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthy Happy Home. We're so grateful to every single one of you who chooses to press play. Please connect with us over on Instagram at Healthy Happy Home Podcast. We have a heap of amazing giveaways and discounts. And remember to use the hashtag Elevation Nation.
1: And if you enjoy our show, why not tell your fellow elevators about us or people who you think could benefit from each episode message. Rating, reviewing and subscribing to Healthy Happy Home will also help other people to find us so that we can grow our Elevation Nation. Thank you to Mega Home Water Distillers for sponsoring this season of Healthy Happy Home. Head over to megahome-distillers.co.uk to learn more about the most reliable and efficient home drinking water distiller on the market and to benefit from a 5% discount as a listener of Healthy Happy Home by using the code HHH5 at checkout. Thank you to Mega Home.